Chapter 3. The Many Uses of Credit As we have just seen, Abel decided to loan Baker and Charlie Fish so they could build their own nets. Business loans such as these are the best use of savings, because they tend to expand production. Of course, the act of lending money, or fish, to start a business is no guarantee that the venture will be successful. A borrower may not be able to fully execute on his initial plan. That's what would have happened if Baker and Charlie failed to produce successful nets. In other instances, a business may fail because the idea never had any promise to begin with. Suppose, instead of asking for a loan to build a net, Baker and Charlie asked Abel for a loan that would allow them to perfect a technique of mass fish hypnosis. If the fish wouldn't fall for it, the loan would produce no benefit for the borrowers, Charlie and Baker, or for the lender, Abel. The bottom line is that loans made to businesses that do not succeed waste society's store of savings and diminish productive capacity. As a result, the lender may then have trouble getting back his principal, let alone his interest. But the business plans that work make up for the ones that don't. It is important to understand that business loans are not the only option for society's store of savings. There are other types of loans that Abel could have made. For instance, consumption loans and emergency loans. Consumption loans. Suppose that rather than making a loan to Baker and Charlie to build their own nets, Abel had succumbed to the demands for a loan so they could take a vacation. Reality check. Whenever an outside force, such as government, encourages or demands that savers make loans for reasons that may have nothing to do with the actual likelihood of repayment, higher degrees of loss are almost inevitable. Such distortions waste society's savings. In their zeal to do something good, governments like to influence the way savings are lent out. They pass laws that make some types of loans more appealing than others. But governments have no savings. Only individuals do. If, as a result of government incentives, the loans go to individuals or businesses that fail to pay off, and they often do, then the loss falls to those individuals who have sacrificially underconsumed to create savings. In fact, Abel would be much less inclined to lend in the first place if we were forced to make loans that he felt were excessively risky, such as in the case of fish hypnosis. As a result, he may decide not to work as hard or not to sacrifice as much to save. Hey, Rockefeller, cried Baker, maybe you should take a break from fish counting and lend me and my pal Charlie a couple of fish so we can kick back a day or two. You're not the only one who deserves a life of leisure. And besides, we'll pay you back. Believe me, I know that fishing can be a drag, responded Abel. But remember, if I lend you one fish, I'll still want two fish in return to compensate me for the risk. No sweat, Kingfish, countered Charlie. We'll be so well rested after our vacation, we'll be able to fish even harder and pay you back with interest. But how will Baker and Charlie be able to repay their vacation loan with interest if they do not expand their productive capacity? After taking a few days off, they will still only be able to catch one fish per day. To repay Abel, they will need to cut their consumption to less than one fish per day in the future. Their living standards would have to drop to repay the loan. Knowing this possible consequence, Abel tried to be reasonable. Look, guys, why borrow now and go hungry to repay the loan when you can just sacrifice now, go hungry for one day, build your own net, Save up for the future and then rest whenever you want. Listen, said Baker and Charlie. Save the holier-than-thou bunk. 
Just give us the fish. Abel should deny the loan. Not only would such a transaction put his savings at unnecessary risk, but it would mean that the capital would be unavailable for more productive loans. And while he will earn their scorn, he will actually prevent future hardship. In actuality, loans to consumers that do not fundamentally improve productive capacity are a burden to both lenders and borrowers. Reality Check Can Able Expand Credit? When confronted with the possibility of economic contraction, politicians and bankers frequently discuss the need to expand credit by increasing the amount of money available to be lent. But can this be done on command? In the case of our fishing friends, how can Abel legitimately lend out more fish than he has saved? The island's total supply of credit is limited by its total supply of saved fish. Emergency loans. As it turns out, Abel's rejection of Baker and Charlie's vacation, or consumption, loan was extremely fortunate. A week later, both are struck by a freak outbreak of Pokalani pox, which prevents them from fishing for a week. Now, when this emergency arises, Abel is in a position to make a hardship consumer loan out of his accumulated savings so that Baker and Charlie can eat and live to work another day. Although he also understands that the risk of non-repayment is high, he knows that the risk in not making the loan is even higher. Unlike the consumption loan, Baker and Charlie can perish if the emergency loan is not made. If this were to happen, the island would lose productive capacity and two people. This emergency loan would not have been possible if Abel had already given away his savings through unproductive consumer loans. In fact, savings can mean a difference between the life and death of an economy. Takeaway Unfortunately, it is widely accepted that in order to spur activities that politicians and social theorists deem to be beneficial, government influences how savings are allocated. This has been accomplished by a litany of government loan guarantees and corporate and individual tax credits and penalties. As a result of these influences, individuals and businesses may be more willing to apply for and banks may be more willing to grant certain types of loans. More of society's resources are then diverted toward the favored activity, whether it be home building, college attendance, or solar panel manufacturing. Central to these impulses is the notion that government planners have a better idea of what's good for society than savers themselves. But there is no evidence that this is true. In fact, history is littered with the grandiose schemes hatched in government think tanks that have simply not delivered on their promises. But more fundamentally, the imposition of a government layer in between savers and borrowers separates the cause and effect of lending and leads to an inefficient allocation of savings. Private lenders tend to be influenced only by the financial results of a loan, rather than the political symbolism of the underlying activity. Businesses that adhere to successful models and are run by owners with strong records of achievement tend to repay loans at higher rates. As a result, these types of business plans tend to attract willing lenders. Much like Darwin's idea that natural selection produces hardier species, this lending discipline tends to produce healthier companies in a stronger economy. But this does not occur when financial performance becomes secondary. Loans made to individuals or enterprises that do not succeed in creating a needed innovation or expanding productive capacity 
tend to weaken the overall economy by wasting a supply of savings. But as we will see later in this book, the creation of a constantly expanding money supply and the government's seemingly limitless ability to take on debt have hidden the fact that real credit is limited by a finite supply of savings. People now assume that all that is needed for a functioning credit market is willing borrowers. But like any other resource, savings must be accumulated before it can be lent out. 